Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, I thought it'd be fun to challenge myself to say 31 nice things about all 31 NHL teams. One per team. Now, I don't know if I'll actually be able to get to all of them tonight in one show, so what I'll do is I'll get through as many as I can for this first episode, and then split out the rest on the next show. We will be moving in alphabetical order, so we're going to start with teams that begin with A. First up, we have the Anaheim Ducks, and I think the Anaheim Ducks have some kind of a future. I don't know if it's a particularly good future, but hey, you've got California Coast Living, you've got Hampus Lindholm, and every now and then you have some pretty decent jerseys. The Ducks also have a movie made about them, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, back in the uh, the good old Disney days of kids' films that didn't really have a lot of musical numbers. Nowadays, every Disney film has at least two different soundtrack songs that you're, you're going to hear for like the next six months. Mighty Ducks really didn't do that, so I guess... Good for the Mighty Ducks, because I get tired of hearing Let It Go for about the 10 billionth time, and every time another Frozen movie comes out, that song, of course, always makes a comeback. Thank you, Disney. The next team on our list is the Arizona Coyotes, and Arizona has very cool jerseys. I do like the uh, affiliate jerseys from the Tucson Roadrunners. They also have a couple of pretty good players. I'm a big fan of Jakob Chikrin, and I felt like Chikrin was one who at some point would have broken out, uh, I think injuries kind of derailed a lot of his early successes, but on the whole, I'm I'm very much a big fan of what Chikrin does on the ice, and I feel like, you know, given the, the state of that defensive core and some of the players mostly being on the depth side, it's kind of nice to see the Yotes have a genuine top four defenseman who really drives play at both ends of the ice. They also did things. I mean, the Yotes are kind of a weird team to me just because they always try stuff and they throw a lot of things at the wall to see what sticks. Cheka, the GM, tends to do a lot of weird stuff. I don't really know what all of his moves entail, but if anything, he just seems to like making paper transactions that fulfill depth requirements and stuff. Who knows if, you know, all of them actually worked out, but hey, they did stuff. They're a fun team, I guess. I don't know. I'm kind of reaching for straws here, guys. I don't really know that much about the Yotes. I guess they're technically the old Jets, but we sort of forget that that connection really exists. So, next up, we're going to talk about the Boston Bruins. The Bruins are not the Red Sox. That's the first positive thing. The Bruins also have uh, a really great history. I think that they have a very loyal, passionate fan base. Their mascot's a little scary sometimes. They do have a couple of players I very much enjoy watching, Bergeron being one of them, Pasternak probably being my favorite. Charlie McAvoy's fun to watch, too. He's just like a big, tanky kid. But I think that, in a lot of ways, the Bruins represent a very smart organization in the sense that their coaching staff seems to have identified the best way to make use of a lot of guys who traditionally were in depth roles or maybe underperformed for their old squads. Their general manager has actually gotten a lot better at not doing weird things, although a couple of times he's made some mistakes. I think the Bacchus contract was a huge one, and of course they've made past mistakes that, you know, didn't pan out 100%. But had the Bruins actually been able to play in the playoffs this season, I think that the depth acquisitions that they made and the Coyle deal really made them a dangerous team. 
Next up, we've got the Buffalo Sabres, and the Buffalo Sabres are like the exact opposite of the Bruins. I have to say something nice, and I guess I like Jack Eichel a lot. Eichel was a fantastic talent, and I think that he's one of the best young centers in the NHL. It's funny because when he signed his $10.5 million deal, we were all thinking, wow, this dude's massively overpaid. But in fact, he might actually be growing to be worth that value now. The uh, the tragic thing about Eichel being worth his contract is that no one else on that team is worth theirs. Too many guys have essentially been deadweight, and I feel like ownership is just kind of floating about doing stuff that people don't really agree with. Really bad situation with bad management, bad ownership, and poor coaching. That said, I don't really know if I can blame the coaching staff on having half a roster, but if Ralph Kruger really does like, say, Rosmus Ristolainen and actually trusts him, yikes, dudes, yikes. Hopefully Eichel manages to get to the point of the uh, Sabres franchise history where they actually start being good again, but, you know, it's kind of hard to say with that team. Starting with the Seas, we have the Calgary Flames, who are famous for the Sea of Red. In Calgary, you're pretty alright. I like uh, I like a lot of the defensive prospects that they've accrued, although it tends to get really annoying when they sign really good free agents, or at least top free agent prospects, that the Jets could arguably use too. Generally speaking, they have good taste and young talented D. I'm a big fan of Rasmus Anderson and Oliver Shillington. That uh, Swedish pairing just seems to be a really good future top four that you can rely on. They've also got very good players like the Chuck. I think Dubé's pretty good, and I'm a big fan of what Mangiapane can bring down the road. I'm always going to have time for Matthew Phillips, although he's yet to really break into the NHL. All in all, a fun team, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like the Flames. I think that they can do some really good stuff when they are not playing really poor defense. They have a fun goalie in Dave Riddick, and I don't know, there's just a lot to like about their squad. Again, though, it's just been an inconsistent performing team. Also in the seas, we've got the Carolina Hurricanes, and Carolina brought fun back to the NHL in a league that has traditionally not really enjoyed fun. While I'm not exactly a fan of the owner, I do think that the Carolina Hurricanes as a hockey team offer so much. There's a ton of young talent to really like. I think that they have some of the best scouts in the NHL. They have very good drafting decisions. And generally speaking, their contract management has been pretty good. This past uh, trade deadline was a little strange by their standards, but of course this team already has such a great core that it's hard to see that really holding them back too much. Before we hit our break, we'll also take a look at the Chicago Blackhawks. And I guess the most I can say about the Blackhawks is that they have a, a, a lot of Stanley Cups. They've got a local Winnipegger in, in Jonathan Taves. Go Winnipeg. Honestly, joking aside, I, I do like Taves a lot. He seems like a pretty cool guy, and he seems to be very aware and, and socially adept at, at reading situations and understanding broader implications. He's somebody who's not really afraid to, to get away from just sticking to sports doesn't hurt that when he was in his prime, he was a really great two-way center, and I think that he does the city of Winnipeg proud. So, go Taves. I guess you're the standard bearer of the Blackhawks image. Oh yeah, they also have that guy Debrinkat, but we kind of forget about him because the Jets could have had Debrinkat, but you know, they didn't do that. So I try to ignore that that happened and erase that part of Jets history. Next up on our tour of the C-named teams, we have the Colorado Avalanche, and boy oh boy are the Avalanche fun. They're not exactly what one would call a high-end squad under most circumstances. Here's the thing about the Avs. I think that they really satisfy the quotient of being an extraordinarily fun team to watch with guys who have unbelievable offensive talent. Sure, is it a little, little bit of a top-heavy team? Sure. Is it a defensively sound team? No. But... They are really entertaining, and I think that Nathan McKinnon on a line with uh, Rontanen or Landis Gogger, whoever, 
it's always must-see TV no matter the day. I think that the, the Avs remain one of the most, I, I don't know, entertaining squads. They don't really have to be good in terms of what we would consider strong play-driving metrics. I just think that they're an entertaining team to watch, and when they go on things like the power play, it's a great time. The Blue Jackets are notably less exciting in a lot of respects, although at one point the Jackets used to be a really dangerous squad. I think nowadays, without the likes of Artemi Panarin and, and Sergei Bobrovsky in that, things have kind of quieted down a good deal. It's not like the Jackets are a terrible team, but I think a lot of what made them, I don't know, decent contenders in the Metro. They definitely have less offensive depth and, well, really roster depth in general than they used to. Their high-end talent isn't quite as good as it used to be, and Josh Anderson may be on the way out as well. They do have a really cool cannon inside the arena, so that'll probably be my really nice fact. Oh, and I guess uh, Tortorella has kind of learned a few tricks. We now move on to yet another Central Division team. This time it's the Dallas Stars, and Dallas has its own theme song, which is pretty cool. I also think that they have my favorite goal horn in the entire NHL. You know, obviously the, the Stars are kind of an odd team in the fact that they are solid, if not spectacular, but I think that at what they do in the style that they play, they're very effective. They counter very quickly, they can hurt you with a lot of depth forwards and rolling four lines, and their top line with Sagan is always going to be dangerous. They've also started enlisting the help of more Finns, which I think is always a winning winning strategy, especially when that Finn happens to be Rope Hints. Really pesky squad to play against, and I think that's one of the teams that I always worry about the Jets meeting in the postseason. The other D-named team is Detroit, and, um, yeah, I don't really know what to say about the Red Wings, other than that I think that they have a lot of young assets going forward. I just don't know how many of them are actually going to pan out. I like the look of Zadina a lot. I think Zadina is going to be a very special winger. I don't know how special, but he's going to be at least a top sixer. I think that Dylan Larkin is, of course, really controlling play as a really good top-line center. Surprisingly good, actually. I'm still a Joe Valeno fan, too, and they've got Anthony Mantha in tow. So, I mean, I mean, there there is some quality there. I just don't think that the Red Wings have much else going on. That said, now that the uh, lotto draft is going to be happening in the sometime in the future, they have a legitimate chance to draft a top-end franchise talent like Lafreniere or maybe Byfeld. So, all is not lost. They have some prospects to look forward to. The Oilers transition our next part of the list, and the Oilers have Connor McDavid, they've got Leon Dreisaitl, I'm a big fan of Oscar Kleffbaum, and they just have um, some really interesting top-end players. I mean, they have one of the best NHLers in history, and certainly a lot of history riding on the shoulders in the, you know, following in the footsteps of the great one. I, I think that the Oilers are kind of an odd team in that, with a couple of tweaks, they could be a dangerous squad, but I don't know how many tweaks that would require. Probably a lot. They do still have uh, a couple of core pieces that they can rely on. I just don't know how much of those pieces are going to be here in a few seasons. Edmonton needs to make the best of you know, McDavid's prime years while they still can, because it's very rare that you come across somebody like him. He really is truly once in a generation. I guess I also have to say something nice about the Florida Panthers. And yeah, I think what I'll say is that the Panthers are very generous. They gave away some really nice players to the Vegas Golden Knights. How kind and thoughtful. Uh, joking aside, I guess that they have a roster with some talented players. Not a whole lot, generally speaking. I mean, they've got guys like Mackenzie Weger, who's a decent second-pairing guy. Aaron Ekblad looks to have recovered his form decently. Barkov, at his best, can be very good. But, and, I don't know, it's it's looking a little thin, and now they don't have Trocek. So, I'm kind of wondering where exactly the Panthers are going from here, because, if nothing else, they're uh, they're not really a playoff contender, and... 
they only have a handful of prospects that I could see making a difference. I do like Alexi Hepiniemi. I think Hepiniemi is great, and again, another Finn that you want to draft. Owen Tippett and Henrik Borgström could also be very good for them down the road, but it's going to take some time for them to really develop, and I'm not sure if the Panthers are in a position to be waiting. Strange team, that, but hey, they do have really wonderful location and uh, really nice weather when it's sunny out. Now we move on to L.A., the city of Hollywood, and the Kings are, well, they're a pretty decent team. Actually, I think they have a very good coaching system, and I think that that has covered up a lot of the fact that they're getting very old. The Kings are kind of, at this point, like a geriatric society mixed in with some random AHLers. Despite all of that joking criticism, I think that Todd McClellan has done a masterful job at turning that squad into a real pain to play against. The Kings, for all intents and purposes, should be a lotto squad. That they are actually not last in their division and play competent hockey despite not scoring many goals is really a remarkable testament to the job McClellan has done in trying to get that team back into some sort of fighting shape. Yeah, they're going to lose a lot of games, but they're going to be a lot more competitive than you'd expect, and I think that that's all you can really ask for. Not too long ago, they were multi-cup winners, and surely nowadays that, that time has come and gone, but in a couple of seasons, they might be a really annoying playoff out to get. The Minnesota Wild are next on our list, and I don't really know what to think of Minnesota, because they're a strange team in the sense that they had a very good coach in Bruce Boudreau, goaltending was their critical flaw, and they got rid of the coach as a result, which is actually part of the trend that happens in the NHL. All that said, the Wild were still playing pretty good hockey even after Boudreaux's removal, so maybe things are not as bad as they seem. I don't know. The Wild are a strange team because I like a couple of their players. I'm a big Jordan Greenway fan. I think he's a tremendous forward, and he has some really unique skills and physical tool sets that make him a surprisingly effective player. I think they also did really well to bring in Kevin Fiala because Fiala was somebody who was on the outs in Nashville, and that was part of the Gronlin deal, if I recall correctly. Fiala is great. I think he's going to be a star for Minnesota. And, you know, Zach Parise is still pretty decent for Minnesota. So if they weren't so old, I'd probably be higher on them. But I, I do think that going forward, they're going to have declining returns as Parise, Stahl, you know, all of those guys start to age out. They're all well into their 30s, Koivu especially. So, yeah, kind of a strange team. Some signs of life. They are very difficult to play against. And... They do have a very passionate fan base, I will give them that. They have a very passionate fan base. We've arrived to the part of the list where we talk about the Montreal Canadiens, and I guess the thing that I can say about the Habs is that they play the right style of hockey even if it doesn't always get results. Oddly enough, they're kind of like the Kings in the sense that they don't exactly have a ton of high-end talent lying around, but they play pretty competitive hockey that's going to be a real fit for teams in the postseason. If they had higher-end scoring and talent and goaltending that wasn't so hit-or-miss, I think that the Habs would be a genuinely difficult, dangerous team to compete against. As it is right now, they're kind of thin, and I don't know that I'm... I don't know. I'm not really high on them in the sense that I think that they just don't have enough elite goal scorers to cover over the rest of their flaws. They do put a lot of offensive chances on that. It's just, you know, not many of them are going to go in, so... Another quirky, middle-of-the-pack team with some interesting upside if they work on some things in the offseason. And now our favorite division rival in the Nashville Predators. The Preds are about as insane as the Jets are in terms of fan support. I think that these two cities of Nashville and Winnipeg have surprising things in common when it comes to the way that they think about their hockey teams. Both fan bases love grit and hard work ethic, which is, you know, pretty common among fan bases around, you know, any sort of NHL team. But I think Winnipeg and, and Nashville in particular 
like this down-home, gritty, down-to-earth type of player. I think it's why when the you know Jets and Preds play in the playoffs, there's always so much attention because these two teams are, in a lot of ways, or at least a couple of years ago, were very much alike in the way that they thought, and they were intensely physical. I was there for the game three and four of that uh, mythical 17-18 second round series, and man, that was a slugfest. But Nashville delivered a performance that made you believe that this was like a Stanley Cup round. It was a great series, and I think that these two teams share so many things in common that make them natural competitors. Up next are the New Jersey Devils, and I don't really have anything bad to say about the Devils. Some people really despise them. I'm kind of in the boat where I just don't really care about them under most circumstances. I like a couple of their players. I think Nico Hishier is a special kid, and at some point, uh, obviously, Jack Hughes is going to break out and be something special. I think that he was already doing better than people realized, it's just that he didn't have line mates that could competently keep up with him. And now that Shiro is out, it'll be interesting to see what exactly the the future regime is going to do for this team. They're in lotto territory, and they've got some dead weight to cut, and they also have some young talent that they can draw on, but they really need to land a lotto pick, especially maybe a second or a first overall, to bring in another game-changing talent. With Hall out, you know, they've got to find the replacement and it's not going to be so easy, but they do have some chances to get someone special in this draft, and I think that going forward, they have a chance at a much brighter future than what they've got right now. The Islanders are kind of in a strange position because I think that they put a lot of chips on this playoff run, and, well, now that there's no playoffs, what exactly do you do? And that's a very difficult question. They picked up Pajot and resigned him, but I don't know that that's going to age particularly well. I adore Matt Barzal, and I think that they have some very good underrated wingers and centers, but there's not a whole lot of depth, especially at the center position, and I kind of wonder what exactly that team is going to do going forward. I think on the whole Barry Trotz is a very good coach, but at some point he's not going to be able to cover everything that's wrong with the team, and I think they have to think about some things going forward about what is their role and what is their identity that they want to forge. Do they want to be a first-round pest, or do they actually want to go on a serious run? There's not many seasons left where they're going to have the current core altogether, and in fact, this was probably one of the last years that that's going to be true, so the Islanders are kind of in a strange position. The Rangers are in a much better position in terms of young talent that's coming in through their system. I think that New York maybe try to be a little too aggressive in the sense that I think they think their rebuild is over, and to me it's really only halfway through. They did get some stellar defensive re- reinforcements for their pipeline or on their active NHL squad. I think that Truba is going to have at some point a rebound season if he gets a good partner, and Adam Fox, of course, is one of the best young rookies in the league. Panarin was certainly a big get, and I think that he's been a difference maker for them. Mika Zibanejad has also been pretty good, so there's a lot to like about that squad. I don't know that I'm as high on them as some folks are, but going forward, they do have a future that people can be invested in. We're going to wrap up this episode with one final team, and this one's another Canadian squad, and that team is the Ottawa Senators. I don't know what to say about the Senators, because I feel like any time I could say something good, they do about ten bad things. If nothing else, they've kept the league very interesting to follow. I mean, the the Ottawa Senators are a scandal and a drama every few weeks. They went a couple of months without having any particular issues, but the scandals that they did have previously were bad enough where I don't think you can really write that off as much of a, a positive note. And now they've had COVID reports, so not exactly a great couple of uh, couple of months for the Ottawa Senators. I do have some uh, some time for some of their prospects like Drake Batherson and company, but you know beyond that, kind of hard to say what that team's future is. Under different ownership, I see a very different future for the Sens, but until that time happens, I think that they're kind of stuck in a weird rut of being 
a little bit of a laughing stock. My nice point about them is that they do have a good future if they can find somebody who knows how to manage and coach that team because there are quite a few good prospects and stuff sitting on their squads and they have some very good young talent. They just need somebody to recognize that talent and unearth it. Thanks everyone, I hope you guys enjoyed this positive things to say about other NHL teams skit. Tomorrow we're going to continue starting with the Philadelphia Flyers and finish off our list. Thanks so much for listening. Set your podcast to the Locked On NHL National Show. Have a great night and go Jets go.